Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 280, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is brought to you by Everlasting Herb Farm at the Real Herb Market. Wendy makes each of her botanicals for herbs she grows on her family farm in Vermont. All of her herbal products are handcrafted with care. Give yourself the gift of natural healing from Everlasting Herb Farm at the Real Herb Market. You don't know what to do when you grow up. Not to worry. Plants will lead you in the right direction no matter where you've gotten your start. They have a knack for merging disparate paths. Today we're talking with Don Laska Tamerdahl, RN, Master Herbalist, Registered Herbalist, with the American Herbalist Guild and owner of Don's Enchanted Garden about finding an herbal path. Now here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real, Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Hey Don, it is so lovely to see you today. It is lovely to talk to you as well. I have been trying to get you on the show for years. I know. I'm so glad I'm here. Uh, I've just come to that point where I, I listen to podcasts. I'm like, wow, I need to do this. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you were really busy because you had, for a long time, you had disparate paths. Then you had sort of semi-mellowed paths. Then you had multiple careers happening all at once. I mean, yes. honestly, what you get done in like probably just the morning is more than I think most of us get done for three weeks. I mean, I've been told that I, I, I get more done in one day than most people get done in a week. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're you're high energy. Not high yeah. maintenance. That's high energy. I didn't say maintenance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Low maintenance. I'm pretty casual. So you're an RN and you are an herbalist who's done a lot of teaching and product development and... Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of like national speaking tours and things like that. And you've run a school and you've also written a book, written a book. And, and you didn't start any of this as your first career. Nope. You were a jet mechanic. Yep. I worked on fighter planes in the air force F-16 specifically. And I was a jet engine mechanic. So you can move from engine mechanic in the, in the air force to helping people get their minds right with herbs, get their bodies right with herbs, with plants. Yes. It's really, it's all about fixing things. There's a common theme, right? You're fixing a jet engine. You're fixing a a person's health. Uh, I invented a tool in the military and I create formulations now. So really it's the same thing, just a little different model. I honestly, I know at one point you were thinking about being an engineer, and I'm so glad you didn't go that route. Me too. I'm horrible <laughs> at math. It would have been a bad, bad fit for me. <laughs> so how did you, so you went so, from there, and then what was the catalyst, the moment that you said, I want to do this? Yeah. How did you find the plants? Uh, did you know them before the military? What, what was the deal there? So I actually, my grandmother is part Native American. She's half Native American. She was half Native American. And so I grew up kind of around plants and she, she wouldn't know the Latin name. Like we always look for the Latin name, right? She wouldn't look, she wouldn't know the Latin name. She would know the common name. And she goes, my grandfather did X with this plant or my grandfather knows this plant as blah, blah, blah. So I grew up around them and using them, um, and my grandmother made odd references to, like, like she put Vicks vapor rub on her head, right? Yeah. And she said, my grandfather used a plant that smells just like this mm. for 
um, headaches. And so I'm like, oh, okay. okay. So as an adult, I came, you know, I was in the military and I actually had severe migraines. Okay. And so when my friend said, sniff this lavender oil, it'll mm. help with your migraine. And there you go. That That's the transition point. It took one sniff of essential oils and then I was on this lifelong path. And then you became an aromatherapist. Yes. So I did that for about two years, studying intensely. And then I, you know, I was like, well, these, these essential oils are plants. So let's just make that transition to plants. And I'm glad I did. And now I'm assuming, although maybe it is a big assumption, that aromatherapy and herbalism are really all one. You combine them all kind of together rather than keeping them separate as was the I'm going to say old way in American herbalism for a long time. <laughs> I use everything that works. So, and the, and the, the properties are similar. So I use them in a similar fashion. Yeah. Nice. It makes it easy. So Candace is really just not on fire this morning. Wow. <laughs> She's usually such a talkative person. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking about how when I first met you years ago, I was, I think my son was born. I can't remember if I met you just before. I think I met you just after. Um, I think just after you were, he was born. Yeah. yeah and we were that dealing. A long time ago. Yeah. And we were dealing with thrush with him. Yes. It was really awful. And you suggested gentian purple, which we did. And it worked. And I'm sure it was unpleasant for him. Now oh, that yeah. I've, as an adult tasted gentian, I'm like, oh, that, that probably was not a great way to be enjoying your first few months of <laughs> eating. But that boy's always had yeast problems. Yeah, well, he's probably not going <laughs> to thank you for saying that either. And, and then we worked on you because yes. you know that was part of that whole process. Yeah, and so it all it all came yeah. out. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I I vaguely remember that you introduced me to essential oils and, and tinctures at the same time. And mm -hmm. I don't think I did teas, but maybe I did. I can't remember. I think you did a few teas, yeah. I probably you did. did. You started making teas and starting herbalism. And yeah, it's funny, on one of your podcasts I listened to, you repeated something I talked to. You. And oh, did I? Was I? Like, I yeah. heard that specifically from me because that's how I, I discovered it. So yeah. I hope I credit it. Cool. Did I credit you? No. no, what was it? I want to know what it was. I can't even remember. Oh. I've been listening to all your podcasts in a row. Thank you. Are you binging our podcast? I am. Oh, no. <laughs> well, after, you, after Candace had um, seen you, she recommended um, that I see you. And I yeah. had uh, some gastro IBS stuff that I just couldn't seem to stop. And it was all dietary. And I didn't know that at the time, you know. Minnesota, where it's all the same, you know, meat, potatoes, dairy, all the time. It's, it's the white and neutral diet, right? The white and neutral. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But but that would that opened my eyes to what could be done. I mean, working with you, it changed everything, and you know, yeah. the full. I mean, I got teased because I was drinking this um, god awful onion soup, god, gallons of it. It seemed like. And my friends that, you know, I was doing it at work and they were just teasing me. And they said, don't get that out of here. Go, go eat somewhere else. They couldn't handle the smell. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it cleared it, cleared it up. And I, yeah. I, I rarely ever have that problem again. Um, I don't eat as much dairy anymore, but I can't eat dairy. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, so 
There you go. So when you, you know, as we've just pretty much said, we, we had a lot of things that were going on that Western medicine wasn't really helping, yet it wasn't that we were anti-Western medicine at the time. It just herbalism worked really well. Have you found that the intersection of you, because you're also a registered nurse, has that informed your herbal, herbalism well? Yes, yeah. I've actually, you know, it's funny because the aromatherapy and the herbalism all goes together and, and you can use it with modern medicine. Um, I remember working in the hospital as a nurse and they would always give me the crazy patients, you know, the quote unquote crazy patients. Yes. Because Dawn always had a, I called it my pocket full of fun. And it was, <laughs> it was three or four essential oils in my, that I always carried with me that, you know, if someone was agitated, I would take my little lavender oil and put a drop on their foot. Nice. Now, it didn't interact with them personally, obviously, but they were inhaling it and they calmed down. Yeah. Or if I had a patient that had something else, I had something in my pocket at all times that I could, you know, e- either drop a put, put a drop in their pillow or I could, you know, create a foot bath and put like yeah. a drop or two of essential oil in there. And it would make them better. So there was a very clear dynamic between what I saw um, from in modern medicine and how I could treat it with herbs. That was in the very beginning. And then as I got better, I started like looking at their charts and doing facial diagnosis and looking at their face and seeing if I could see what was in their chart on their face. Nice. And in their so I can actually see the disease as it was happening. Or I could see the disease before they even knew they had it. So someone who had um, one of the classic signs for people who have, um, and I wish people could see me, is certain points on your ear show um, precursor colon cancer. Ah. And so I would be able to look at their ears and say, oh, I see a dot there. And they would get a scope because they had, you know, gastric upset. Yeah. And so they or some kind of, you know, bowel issue. And so they would go up and do a scope and they would see um, precancerous tumors or cancerous tumors. Nice. So, so I could see it actually exhibited in their face before it even showed up in the, um, their symptom picture. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds like the doctors may have been accusing you of being kind of a witchy person then. Because that's, that's kind of, that seems mystical almost. It's not, it's logic. Yeah. It, it just... It's, we, it's not a logic that we understand in Western medicine. It's been around in Chinese medicine for thousands and thousands of years. And they did it by studying people. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it is so well known. It's been documented in, I think, a book that's 3,000 years old. So, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's well known. Um, it's funny. I recently had an episode where I had a fit. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it. And then there's a reason I was taking something that was causing a fit. Right. Ooh, whoops. But, but right up to the, my nose started getting really red. Uh, so my nose got really bright red. I was like, Ooh, Ooh. that's something's wrong. Right. Yeah. Like, something's wrong with my heart, but what is it? And I was like, I couldn't figure it out. And then one day my nose was bright red and then I went and ate it. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I have been amazed too. I don't, I haven't taken or studied nearly as much as you have, but there are little things that you know I've I've noticed in people, and then you know conversing with them, and then come to find out, you know, the thing that I guess they might have, or the personality trait I guess they might have, just by looking at 
you know, the shape of their nose or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's so much that we really do wear right on our skin, right outside, you know. And it just takes someone who's observant enough to find it and look at it and talk to the patients or the clients and say, hey, I see this and, you know, what's going on and do you have any symptoms that are like X, Y, Z? Just doing some basic investigating. And do you have, do you find it hard to talk about any of that with like the doctors or the other nurses or the people in the, in modern medicine that are steeped in that? So most of the nurses are very open and receptive to alternative healing. We, as a, as a profession, have done holistic healing since the beginning. Um, backwards. I mean, it, yeah. scientifically, the only recently they discovered that touch actually does make a difference. So yeah. that basic function of giving a back rub is healing. Yeah. Um, so nurses easy, doctors not so much. Even the Indian ones, which I find surprising, if they grew up in India, their grandmother and their mother gave them herbs. Yeah. They still keep it. And I'm like, the research is there. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So doctors, you know, not as much, but everybody understands that other people have different methods of healing. Yeah. And at least they're open to a certain degree to to hear them. So when you decided to start training as a nurse, did you find it challenging to also have the plant side of yourself? Like, was it like two separate sides or? It was. I actually had to, like, I felt like I split myself in half most days (laughs) um, because, you know, there was this hippie slash, you know, hippie chick who's doing all the herbs and all the herbal therapy and like lighting incense and like, you know, creating things and being this mad scientist, right? And yeah. then the other side, who's a respected nurse, a cardiac nurse, who's taking care of patients as they're dying or you know, whatever yeah. they have to go through. So it, it, yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was different. But then I really learned to integrate it over time. And I think that's one of the opportunities we have as herbalists is really to talk to people in healthcare professions and really you know, befriend them and say, hey, listen, I can help your patients who may not be interested in having cholesterol meds. You know, I can give them herbs that'll work just as good as it's safer than what you're going to give them. And a lot of doctors are open to that because they they have to be, because that's what the patients are demanding. Nice. So would you say there was any one like defining moment when you made your name, if you will, amidst the doctors as an herbalist that actually knows what she's doing? Like a moment when you said, oh, you know, I noticed this and they suddenly said, oh my God, she actually really does get this. Do you have a moment? Yeah, I was a nurse in a cardiology clinic and my doctors, you know, I work with cardiologists and interventionalists and they're very businesslike and very research, research, research. And so I was like, I, I went into a patient's room and I said, I looked at their face and I said, okay, I see this X, Y, and Z, and here's their medical history, and here's their diet, and here's what I see, and here's what I suggest you do. And I said, they need an echo, I need a you know stress test, and they're going to have to do a cap up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bet money that they will need a bypass. And they're like, what? <laughs> 
had gone, you should become a cardiologist and not a nurse. And I go, nope, I need my beauty sleep. <laughs> nope, not gonna do it. So yeah, so it's really it was that integrative piece, and and this this man was very unhealthy, mm-hmm. and we had a really good honest talk where where I said, listen, this this diet, this classic Minnesota diet, bratwurst, bratwurst three times a week, you know, yeah. standard, you know, meat and potatoes. I go, tater tot casseroles were his favorite, I think. Yeah, that's why I call it the neutral and, and white plate. Right. Yeah. And so we had a good, honest talk. And he goes, you have to eat some vegetables. And I'm like, I, I don't care if you put bacon fat on it or something. Just eat some vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. And, um, I, and we talked about diets. And he's like, well, what else can I do? And I go, well, I know this nutritional therapist who also does some herbs and Chinese medicine. I want you to go see this person. Yeah. And so as a nurse working in my clinic, I couldn't refer them to myself, obviously. Yeah. So really it was just a matter of getting them to the, the right person. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's fantastic. And it's one of the things that, I mean, even now in just your standard doctor's clinics, clinic offices, you know, where most of us start out when something's not quite right. I mm-hmm. still see the doctors, you know, I had a doctor say to me after uh, telling me I might have cancer when I really had strep throat and I knew it. She was also like, and you can't. So she gave me the antibiotics. She's like, you can't take any herbs while you're on this. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? I can't have basil on my food. What are you actually trying to say to me? Mm-hmm. And she really didn't know what that meant. And I was astounded. I'm like, you're a doctor. You don't know what you're telling. You're the advice. You don't understand the advice you're giving me. You know, I think that they struggle because they don't have a lot of education in simple things like the difference between herbs as food and herbs that you might take in a tincture or a tea form for slightly strong, you know, stronger herbs. You know, I actually do teaching at medical schools. So I actually go into medical schools, not all the time. They usually request me, you know, once or twice, you know, maybe once a year um, to go into a school or two. And so I, I go and I do basic uh, one hour lecture on herbalism and I bring in scientific research and I bring in, I bring in double blinds, all the, you know, all the excuses they give me, I bring them those research studies. Yes. And I say, this is a chemical. There's a plant that has chemicals in it. And this is how you get to the brains. These chemicals interact with our body, just like modern medicine does. And then I tell them that 50% of our modern pharmacy is from plants. Yes. I tell them, you know, this data goes back hundreds of years before we even had modern studies on plants and and medicine. So it really hits home to them. And then I make them taste some things, which is always fun. Yeah. Yeah. But doctors only get two hours on nutrition. That is not enough. (laughs) I mean... As, as a, as a, you know, jet mechanic, what would you have said if they said, oh yeah, and um, of all your training, you're going to get less than 1% on the fluids we put into the system? I mean, that does not make any sense. And so the fact that I'm able to go in for an hour and That's lecture amazing. them on, you know, plants and, and the science behind the plants. Mm-hmm makes yeah. a big difference because then they'll they'll call me afterwards so they'll get out of residency and they'll yeah. call me i have 
actually in Minnesota, I had a whole network of physicians um, that I talked to on a regular basis. They would do curbside consults with me. Nice. Okay, so my patients on this weird medication, they're on this medication, this medication, and they have these herbal formulas. What what am I doing here? What's wrong? Yeah. And so we would walk through it. Um, it really did make a big difference because, you know, patients are afraid sometimes to tell their doctors they're on herbs. Oh, yeah. Because doctors poop through them. Oh, yeah. Um, and physicians don't know to ask if they're on herbs or supplements, even though they're, they're supposed to, but they don't. Yeah. Because they don't really know that much about it. What if someone tells you they're on a complex supplement regi- regime or taking all these herbs? Um, they won't know what to do with it. Yeah. I mean, even if, even if, someone, even if someone tells you they're on just this one herb, if you haven't got training, you don't necessarily know how that herb will or won't affect the pharmaceuticals you're about to prescribe. You right. know what I mean? Something like nettles can have a big impact on how well certain pharmaceuticals will process in the body and therefore mm-hmm. make a big difference in how the levels should be. Right. And and if that person goes off nettles abruptly without, you know, telling their physician, that can make a huge difference and a possible problem for them. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah. Yeah. One of the things I have been finding really wonderful and, and heartening, at least in the community here, is that I'm seeing more and more doctors starting to look at how the herbs work or at least awareness of them. And some of them are starting to make recommendations on, you know, small recommendations on herbs and nutrition alongside the rest of the regimen that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like it's slow, but it's changing. And that's a... It's a good thing. Yeah. But unfortunately, the education they get is usually a weekend class. Yeah. So as you know, studying herbs is not yeah. a weekend class. It's no. a day class. Yes. A weekend class, you don't learn hardly anything. So no. that's what they're basing their recommendations on. Yeah. Um, it's better to, as an herbalist, to create a network with other uh, providers, physicians, or practitioners, um, pharmacists. We'll create that network yeah. and then really um, be able to reach out to them, have them reach out to you as the expert. And I'm doing quotation, air quotations yeah. because you have to establish yourself as an expert in the the modern medicine field. And luckily as an RN, I can do that because I have both credentials. Yeah. But anybody can do it. They just have to form a good relationship and make sure they bring up the science. Yeah. Because we know elderberries works in a certain way. It's done that for thousands and thousands of years, right? Right. This is the beginning of time. And now the research comes out and the research is great. Well, yeah, we've known yeah. this for a long time. <laughs> Yes. And actually, I'm so glad you said that because, I mean, being able to speak both the language as a tradition and the language of science is something I've been talking about on the podcast, I think, from the very beginning. And it's I know how important it is. When I first came to herbalism, I was so not I mean, it's not that I didn't understand the language of science. I was a technical writer. It's fine, you know, but I wasn't it wasn't what resonated with with me. And so you introduced me to herbs, but I didn't pick up any books yet. I just did the things you suggested. I didn't have, at the time, I didn't have, if there even was internet X stuff, I have no clue. It was long enough. Yeah. I don't think there was much there. So I, you know, I was just, I was doing what you said and giving things a try. 
And I had like a couple of directory style herb books where they had like a thousand herbs in 150 pages or something like oh. that, you know. And you made a comment at one point about how, oh, and I, you know, I get to take a, a class this weekend with Matthew Wood. And I was like, oh, great. I, it sounded like a probably a name, a Hollywood name I should know, but I didn't really. And and at the time I was just, you know, I didn't I didn't think about it. And then a few weeks later, I went into the present moment where you guys both happened to work and he happened to be the person that was helping me, though I didn't know it at the time. And he gave me a formula and I went home and it was great and it worked. And then six months later, we moved to Oregon and I was in an herb shop here and I saw this book and it just, I was like, huh, Matthew Wood, why does that name sound familiar? Well, you know, I'm going to get this book. It's a tome. It's like, it's the, the herbal wisdom, Matthew Wood's book of herbal wisdom. It's a big, thick book. And it's all very much energetic language, the language of traditional Western medicine absolutely resonated with me so deeply. I really, like I got, I understood everything he was saying, even though I had no training in that. And mm -hmm. in the learning I've had since where I've actually like had training on what these things said, it turns out I really was understanding it. And, mm -hmm. and it was through the years of like making that bridge that has made herbalism something I can talk about with people because it isn't just some weird mystical thing. It's really scientific and it's just about the language you're using. The actions are still the same. Yeah. The actions are all the same. Yeah. And I did eventually put two and two together and I was like, wow, that's amazing. She learned from one of the greats. Oh, <laughs> He is awesome. He's a he great is. guy and it's super nice. And, you know, I love him to death. So we're yeah. good friends now. I haven't taken a class from him in years, but now I teach. Yeah, with I was going to say, you're teaching with him. Yeah, it's, I feel very honored, honestly, yeah. to to be at that level where he wants to have me as a teacher in his school. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's pretty, I feel very honored. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're an incredible, I know you're a, an incredible addition to his school. Oh, thank you. Ever wanted to learn about plant medicine, Googled the plant, and only found stuff written by medical database sites or celeb docs who don't seem to use the herbs themselves? The Practical Herbalist has loads of articles on herbs and plant-based medicines, all written by experts who actually study and work with the plants every day. At The Practical Herbalist, you'll find info on traditional and modern uses of herbs that's supposed that's supported by science yet still practical for real people. Visit thepracticalherbalist.com. So let's talk about um, <clears throat> herbal schools. Yes. So there's a lot of stuff out there. So there, there is a lot of ways to get education out there. There's herbal schools. There's online. But, you know, when we talk about learning from a prof like someone like Matthew Wood, right, yeah. or Candace Canton, or anybody that's really, really been in the field for 30 years, right? You know, you have people who, who are in the – and this is going to go back to social media in just a moment, yeah. which is going to be a funny part – um, Matthew Wood, all those people who've been around for the Tierras, 30, yeah. 40 years doing herbalism grassroots and learning from experience and yeah. reading all the, the literature they can get and the research studies and the, you know, taking classes from each other because that's how we all learn, right? Yeah. We all 
each other. Um, I took classes from um, Candace Canton and learned something I never learned before. So I mean, these are the things that we share back and forth. And it's, it's a healing tradition based on oral tradition, really, yeah. basically. You're yeah. learning from someone orally, and there's stuff to read as well. But you really learn by doing and experimenting yes. and, you know, just really keep broadening your experience with things. Um, so you, we have teachers like Matthew and like the Tears and all these different people that are amazing, right? And um, I've learned from them. So I've become pretty good, you know, not as good as them maybe, but I, I'm pretty good um, in a different way because I have a different skill set than someone else does. So the facial diagnosis and tongue diagnosis is really where I have fine-tuned my skills because I've seen, I think I calculated it out to be 6,000 or 7,000 charts. Yeah. So I've seen 6,000 about patients and I've seen their medical conditions and I've looked at their face. Yeah. And so because I've seen that many people in my short time as an herbalist, like 20 some odd years, I've actually grown where I've asked my expertise now. Yeah. So, um, and it's hilarious because you think you can go on the internet and learn things, right? But there's only so much you can learn on the internet just from right. Google searching, you know, what's, right. what is Tulsi used for, right. right? There's only so much you can learn. A lot of that is experimental yeah. um, and, and experiential. So not just experimental, but experiential. You have to experience yes. it and you have to see it and how the, the herbs work with somebody else and how they have a reaction. So do you remember when we first did pulse testing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we did pulse testing on you and you learned it and you could feel, you picked up the supplements or the tinctures and you could feel the change oh, yeah. in your own pulse. Yeah. You know, and I teach that to my clients and I teach that to students and that's just a basic experience of seeing how the herbs work yeah. and how, how good they work and how quickly you're just like holding a bottle of tincture or putting a drop on your wrist, your body responds instantly. Yes. So that's, that's just pretty amazing. So, um, and, and I just love it when we go to Facebook, right? Yeah. And you have someone say, oh, I've got a bump on my leg. And they're like, oh, that's, they're diagnosing the bump. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're saying use, you know, blood root on that. And you're like, no, that's not that. Yeah. Go to a doctor. That looks like cancer. It looks yeah. like it could to say it could be one of nine million things you know and right you have people who said oh yeah i've been studying herbalism for the last two years yeah <laughs> and you're like no honey no <laughs> no but it's a little matter of experiencing it and having that time in there yeah i mean there's a reason why we call it a practice because you're right. always practicing and it, truthfully, that's how it is with modern medicine, too. It is a medical practice. All the doctors are practicing. It's just that they have the opportunity to practice intensely. And therefore, they can get up to speed and kind of recognize the lay of the land fast because they've seen so many patients. Right. And with herbalism, it's the same thing. How many plants have you seen? How many plants have you interacted with? You know, so many. I can't yeah. even tell you how right. many. Right. Every plant. I've never met a plant I haven't tasted. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the toxic know. ones. Even the toxic ones. Because you know you have to experience it. What is yes. your What is your client going to feel like when they take this? Right. Yeah, and that's. I mean, there have been 
plants and tinctures that I've tried that are not necessarily appropriate or suitable for my own health, you know, like for where I'm at, but for someone else that I might be working with, they could be. So I want to see what does that energy feel like? How does it change things in my body and how does it change my, the way that I perceive my experience? So that that way, when I connect with them and I'm talking with them, I can listen for the key words that describe how, you know, what, what, what characteristics that this, this plant might connect well with that. And Mm -hmm. I honestly, I don't know how to put that into words really well. (laughs) Well, no, it's it's important because, you know, you think about it, like, um, I think you were talking on your, one of your shows, one of your recent ones I listened to, you were talking about herbs for um, nervous system dysfunctions and you were talking about mind chatter. Right? Yeah, and so you're discussing the herbs that you would use for mind chatter, and of course, when I think of mind chatter, I think of like California poppy. Um, that's one of the ones, and there's there's other ones that, but my experience yeah. with my clients and, and things it may be different than your experience. Oh, yeah. but that's okay yeah. because our patients are different. We're going to try what we know and do a little experimenting, right, to see what works the best. Yes. And it's just like, I mean, it is just like finding a physician or a good mechanic or whatever. You you end up finding yourself drawn if you really just listen to how you feel when you're talking to this doctor or this mechanic or whatever. Mm-hmm. You'll find yourself often drawn to the people that have the right medicine for you. It's, sure. it's all about listening. And the same thing happens with herbalists. I mean, I have... I've had a couple of times where someone's, I've had people come to me and I know that I'm not the right person for them. And having a network of good herbalists allows me to say, well, you know, I think you should go see this person instead because I, I think they're going to have the right medicine for you. And I imagine doctors and nurses kind of do the same thing. Nope, they don't. Oh, they don't? They don't send nope. them? No, unless it's a, a primary care to specialists. Mm. Um, because primary care, they, they all want the business, right? Yeah, I they're, suppose. They're driven by insurance rates. Yeah. So driven by anything other than the relationship and insurance rates. And so unfortunately, they'll keep you because they want that revenue. Ah. So, Well, that's disheartening. But it's probably true. <laughs> well, I, I know it's true, actually, yeah. since I'm in that, I'm in yeah, that business you're, you're, now. Yeah. So is it been hard to stay in that business rather than go leave like for your own school or for just a, I mean, I know that you, if you wanted to run a school and teach and, you know, just do just herbalism, I know you would be incredibly successful and that would be an easy, like the the public, the people, we would all accept you very much and pay you well, you know, but. I think I have a bigger role to play. So you know, I've, and I've followed this for many years, you know, as a nurse and as an herbal activist and, you know, someone who's well-respected in the field, I actually think it's part of my role is to make something better for everybody. And so my, one of the things I'm working on right now is creating a wellness clinic. So I started one before it wasn't, it, it didn't, it didn't come into fruition, fruition to what I exactly wanted so this next one, I'm going to make exactly what I want. Oh, yeah. And so I'm going to have the regular primary care doctor. I'm going to have nurse practitioners. But I'm also going to have the acupuncturist. And I'm going to have the herbalist and the aromatherapy. 
and everything available for the patients in a holistic fashion. A nutritionist is one of the things. So these things, you don't get reimbursed as a, as a traditional medical yeah. system. You don't get reimbursed for aromatherapy or herbalism, some acupuncture, yeah. some insurances will pay for acupuncture, but not many. Um, so having a holistic clinic to me is one of the, the biggest goals in my life to create something that is truly a balance between, you know, holistic, you know, herbs and aromatherapy and modern medicine. And it can be done. It can be done and it can be modeled and created and be successful. Yes. So that's exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. It will happen. It just, I have to talk some people into spending lots of money. Yeah. But, which you will, you will do. You will do that. I know you will. (laughs) Eventually. And I, it also, it also strikes me that, you know, part of your role is helping to do some fixing in modern medicine and in fixing in the training of doctors by, yes. you know, doing what the plants do slowly seeping in, seeping yes. into their consciousness. Yes. Like a disease. I'm like, yes. <laughs> no. I will. no, like a natural cure for a disease though. A natural cure for disease. That's a good yes. one. But it's, it's true because I, I feel that, you know, there is a, a way to bridge the two and it's not hard. One system is based on, it's called fee for service. It's based on yeah. money. You get paid X number of dollars for X number of service, right? Yeah. Pretty simple, yeah. but it's not the best quality care for patients. Yeah. Um, and so we're moving to a value-based payment system. You know, this is probably more than you want to know, but the value is that the patients stay out of the hospital, the patients stay healthier. Yeah. So in a value-based system, having more natural services makes sense. Yeah, so. it does. It does. Because there, there is a point at which it is better to be going the very Western route. You know, there, there's a point in any progression where you yeah. want, you know, if you break your arm herbs will support you but you want a bone setter to fix it so you want a doctor because you know best to not try and do that yourself yeah yeah Yeah. but if you can avoid having to see the doctor that's even better so that's the goal yeah and that's where the herbs and the plants really really shine yeah so if you can catch the disease early and then prevent it from you know manifesting till it's full potential then you really, really do a lot to help your, your, your everyone because you save money for the hospitals, save money for the government. Not that that really matters, but you also help those people because they, nobody wants to get heart failure. Right. Nobody wants to have you know, right. cancer or die. I mean, these things, a lot of them are preventable with diet, exercise and herbs. So yeah. Yeah, Those we, are dreaded words, diet and exercise. I understand that, but yeah. <laughs> very important. <laughs> And they do work. They do work. And once you get okay with them, they're actually not suffering. It's not, it's not suffering to eat right and to have a decent diet and exercise and all of that and sleep well. Exactly. Yeah. You get used to the taste of stevia, right? Right. Right. It's not so bad. It's not so bad once you get used to it. Yeah. And Patrick makes a face. Yes. Yes. I still have it. We've tried the the coffee substitutes a few different times, you know, dandelion, chicory root, roasting the dandelion. I've tried many different ones. Yeah, none of them actually substitute. No, I I just won't have any sweetness at all. But I do have them eating vegetables. 
So that's that's impressive. Well, we did. We went like last year before before COVID really you know happened. We went we went vegan. Yeah. For uh, a while, and we were CrossFit and weightlifting. About a year. And it was about a year of vegan diet for you. Well, no, not I. I wouldn't say a year. It was vegetarian for most of the year, but not full vegan. Yeah. Vegan was the first eight weeks, six eight weeks. Yeah. Um, but then you pretty much flirted with vegan and were more in that direction for the rest of the year. Right. But, I mean, I noticed lots of changes. I mean, I lost a lot of weight and, you know, but it wasn't sustainable for me. I, I, there was oh. so yeah. many things that I I really liked that I that they couldn't have. And I wasn't willing to, to just throw it all away. Yeah. Or not throw it away, but choose not to have it. So... Yeah. That's understandable. It's hard. We're, we're bred. Our instincts are to eat things that are high in carbohydrates and sweets mm-hmm. because those are going to fuel us for fight or flight. Yeah. It's a biological necessity. Um, unfortunately, we don't we don't run from dinosaurs anymore. Right. <laughs> we run from right. run from things. You know, we're yeah. we're sitting at our desks all day. We're not yeah. chopping wood. You know, for six hours a day. Um, we don't have need for all of those empty calories. So right. it does make it harder. Yeah, and I mean, we were both, Patrick's from a northern climate where there's a, very much a culture around meat and potatoes, you know. Yeah. And and so when you go vegan, you're really saying no to a lot of those cultural trainings. And there's a huge, there's a deep psychological or emotional piece to that that's hard to change. <laughs> it's, on, it's all based on dopamine in your brain. You realize yeah. that, right? Yeah. So things that make you satisfied and happy increase the dopamine in your brain, therefore you're happier. Yeah. So if you take away those things that taste good to you and make you full and feel comfortable, you don't have the dopamine and you're not as happy. I mean, it's just a, it is a hormonal and brain chemistry that we are wired. Um, there's a doctor, oh God, I can't remember his name now. He writes on the obesity code and why people are obese. And it's not because we can't control. I don't remember his name. It begins with an F. I'll find um, it. Yeah. I'll put it in yeah. the show notes. Yeah. So he's, um, but he writes this great book and it talks about how obesity, he's a kid, he's a renal doctor, a kidney doctor. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this stuff based on research. It's not because you, you know, you don't want to eat. You're, like, you're, you're trying to avoid eating, right? Mm-hmm. But your bread, your, your body over thousands of years has developed to be like this. These things don't change overnight. Right. You can't just say, I'm going to grow two hops. Um, and then not eating meat because your body was bred to do that for thousands of years. Um, so yeah. I, I try to tell people, and some people can go vegan and some people can't. Yeah. Some people can go vegetarian and some people can't. I tried to become a vegetarian at least three times. Um, I worked with a nutrition coach. I worked with, you know, a hypnotist, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> like I tried yeah. I, I don't like a lot of killing animals if I don't have to. I mean, I yeah. psychologically, I don't like. I mean, but honestly, I finally talked to um, one of my doctors. It was my OB, actually, my GYN doctor. And he's like, he's like, you know, you're part native. He treated my grandmother. That's why. He yeah. treated my grandmother, too. So he, um, he's like, you know, you're part native American, aren't you? And, it, and I go, well, yeah. And he goes, well, you, of course you need meat. And I'm yeah. like, oh. I'm like, oh, that yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, well, actually, maybe that makes sense why I need meat because that's how my culture survived. They dried meats and vegetable yeah. berries and things. And 
you know, that's what they ate. So they didn't have grain. They didn't have, you know, corn doesn't grow, you know, very easily up north all year long. So, you know, it just makes sense, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, for me, going vegan was, I tried several times during, for me, it was about a year and a half of vegetarian diet. And the vegetarian part was super easy. The vegan part was not. I found that the dairy part of my diet was really, really important. It was much more important to me than I ever dreamed possible because I don't, I can't, I don't think of cheese as a comfort food or milk or dairy. They don't, they don't no. in any way say to me, Oh, I really want that. And in my previous to vegetarian diet, I wasn't going out of my way to find dairy and, and have it. But then once we switched to vegetarian, I really wanted the dairy. And I think it was like a replacement yeah. for whatever the comfort was. It was an a, a adequate replacement for that dopamine hit. <laughs> And that's, that's really, it's all chemicals. And when yeah. you think about this, go back to herbs, yeah. you have chemical reactions in your body that we don't, we're just learning about. Yeah. And we, we literally don't understand our own brain yet. They, they tell you, we know so much about the human body, but they just found a new hormone that was secreted by the heart recently. And nice. so we just learned this. Yeah. And we know about, we've been studying, you know, anatomy since, you know, we knew how to do that. Right. So I mean, just new. We are learning still about our own bodies and our own things. So I think the herbs, since they're natural, have more of an ability to adapt to the human body. Since we've been plants and us have been like this together, working and living and and you know living on this planet since the beginning of time, right? Oh yeah. So, yeah. You know, modern medicine is only like 150 years old. Yeah. If it takes our bodies so much time to you know, change dopamine signals, you know, like it makes total sense. Yeah, it totally does. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's one of the ways in which the plants help meld those divergent paths or blend the paths and bring them into a place of balance and health, just like they do with everything. I mean, like your careers, They've, they've helped you create a wonderful, balanced, healthy career and vocation or whatever the right word is through that that ability to meld and blend oh it's called the obesity code oh shoot the obesity code is what it's called the book yeah and it's by um jason fung f-u-n-g and i will make sure i have a link for that in the show notes too yeah, because that's a good book, and it talks about the, the real chemistry of why people eat and overeat and how it really doesn't, yeah. it's not your fault, it's just it is what it is. Yeah. But, you know, it's not, I think it's what we eat too. So, you know, if you go eat McDonald's, I'm sorry, I can't find one person who says that a McDonald's hamburger and french fries fully satisfies them for four hours. No. Usually it minutes because no. it's so overprocessed yeah. that it, it, it's just not good food. So there is that balance between what's holistic and food and what's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. As close to home cooked as possible is usually the best way to go. If you can, if you can, you know. So have you tried cooking with herbs? Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. That's fun to do. Yeah. Um, Every, I make a, a soup 
like every winter before food season mm-hmm. that has like the mushrooms and nettles and nice. all that stuff and food is medicine so yes. i make it and i put it in a freezers in my freezer and like little Sweet. bags or little containers little plastic containers and then when you before you feel like you're not feeling so good like you're gonna get sick mm-hmm. you take out your medicine right which yep. is that home food yep and eat that yeah in fact i i do a I do bone broth, but then I add to it a lot of like astragalus and, you know, the roots. And then I can that as my soup stock, which is this, how we make soup all year long. And, you know, worst case scenario, when you're not feeling well, you grab a pint of the stock out and you get the miso paste and stick a dab of that in there. And then if you're not well enough to get the seaweed, then you just take it like that as a broth. Otherwise, you just dump some seaweed or some frozen vegetables or whatever it is that feels okay in there. Heat it Mm -hmm. up and there you go. I mean, simple. but The best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So where can can people find you? So I have my website, which is dawnsenchantedgarden.com. Okay. Um, that is probably the best place to reach me on my uh, website. Uh, I also teach at Matthew Wood School, which is the Matthew Wood Institute of Knowledge. All right. Is your is your book for, still for sale? It is. It's on Amazon. And what's the name? So my, um, the Enchanted Garden, uh, um, a spiritual herbal, is on uh, Amazon. Perfect. I'm writing a book on incense and a, a book on facial diagnosis right now. Oh, same time. I'm excited. That's going to be really yeah. fun. It Absolutely. Is. The research for the, the book, uh, the incense book is interesting. Oh, I bet. Because, yeah, I mean, incense is medicine, but we don't think of it that way. It is medicine. Yeah. It is. And it's funny because you can use incense just as easily as you could drink tea. And right. it actually works faster yes so yes your gastrointestinal tract okay i knew you this was going to happen you too you oh. too we need to break off now okay we're gonna have to save that <laughs> for the next show <laughs> so when we have a guest we always ask them to say our tagline with us and you've yeah. listened to a few podcasts so do you know how we end the podcast podcast what is it what is the tagline again put a plant put, on it put an herb on it Put an herb on it, sorry. Okay, okay. So you ready? One, two, three. Put, Put an herb, herb on, on it. it. <laughs> the statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.